Victoria Amelina in memoriam. This episode is about a Ukrainian writer and our friend killed by a Russian missile. You're listening to the podcast Explaining Ukraine by Ukraine World. Victoria Amelina, a Ukrainian writer and human rights activist, passed away on July 1st. 2023, after she was severely injured by a Russian missile strike on Kramatorsk, eastern part of Ukraine, Donetsk region, on June 27th. In this episode, we will try to tell you her story and to explain why she has to be remembered, read and translated all over the world. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko, I am Ukrainian philosopher and chief editor of Ukraine World and president of PEN Ukraine. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova, who is in charge of international outreach of Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. You can support us at patreon.com slash ukraineworld. So let's remember our dear, dearest friend, Victoria Melina, and uh, her life, and what happened actually, how this life ended. And um, I, would, I would start from saying that Vika was, uh, and, and it is still very, very difficult to, to use the past tense, to to talk her to talk about her in the past but i would i would like to start from the fact that many people actually was talking about these days is uh, that level of empathy compassion that she had and um that level of uh, working for others so she she was doing so many things for others and Primarily her life's work, this New York Literary Festival, the New York is a town in eastern Ukraine, which is called in the same way as one of the biggest world cities, but it is a small town in eastern Ukraine, which, eastern part of Ukraine, which received its name back from the Soviet oblivion. And uh, Victoria set up a literary festival in 2021. Uh, was a town on the front line, and actually now it is. it is actually even more on the front line. But despite that, there is this bravery of hers to set up this festival. And I think this this bravery, but at the same time combined with this uh, empathy towards others and uh, a willingness to help others is something that uh, she, she she was really, really, and that was one of her traits, what do you think? Yes, exactly. A very tragic event. And if uh, we talk about Vika in retrospective, it's really hard to talk about her when she's no more with us. But yes, um, what is significant about Vika that she had really many choices in her life. Uh, she could have stayed abroad when she was a schoolgirl because her father lived in Canada. Her parents were divorced when she was a small girl. 
and she could have stayed in Canada and had a different life. She chose Ukraine at that moment. She went back. She chose a, professor, a profession. She became an IT kind of IT specialist, and she could have stayed somebody you know, um, IT specialist with high salary in international companies. She chose literature at that very moment. Literature is not something with what you gain, you earn your your life easily. She chose literature, and uh, she was born in a Russian-speaking uh, family. And she chose Ukrainian language, and she started writing in Ukrainian. She could when the full-scale invasion started back in 20, 21st of February, twenty-two. She was abroad on a holiday with her husband and with her kid, and she could easily stay abroad because she was already abroad. But she organized everything in a way that her family stays in 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 Poland, and she came to Ukraine. She chose Ukraine once again. And she was in Kiev in late March 2022 and in the beginning of April and she started traveling because she could have stayed a kind of a writer because she already published uh, several books, uh, two books for adults and a book for kids. And uh, she could have continued her literary career, but she chose to become some, somebody else. That's why she joined this Truth House um, organization, which is active in this uh, uh, documenting war crimes of Russian Federation here in Ukraine. And she started traveling. Uh, she started traveling in many, many places in Ukraine. She's been to Izum, she's been to Kharkiv region, she's been to Donetsk region, uh, she's been to Kherson. We travel a lot together. And by the way, we personally, we, we got to know better Vika during this last year because we were traveling a lot. She uh, And surprisingly enough, these uh, this travels and these uh, tragedies of war uh, made her a poet because she started to write poetry. She, poetry. Uh, she was not, never very much sure about this poetry. Uh, she was hesitating about this poetry. But we witnessed with you during uh, Book Arsenal in Kiev two days before her death how powerful her poetry is. She was reading it and you were playing piano together. You were together on the on the on the this podium in book arsenal. And uh, it's extremely powerful. So she she found in you uh, poetic language, um, trying to, 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 to tell the story which are which is changing you. So at every step of her life she was making making a choice in favor of Ukraine, in favor of its people, and in favor of poetry. And in favor of uh, of justice, I would say, right? Because uh, uh, this move from fiction to non-fiction, and she was talking a lot about this in, in her public speeches, in, in our uh, private conversations, uh, was actually directed by, by the idea of justice. Uh, because... Uh, a novelist who invents a world, uh, and of course, the Vika's novels, um, despite the, the, the being being a fiction novels, for example, this her second novel, more probably more known, which is called Dim Dla Doma, uh, which is uh, a literally translation would be a home for Dom, but um, I think that there is another version also. A kingdom for Dom or something like that. I, I don't remember exactly how it sounds in English. 
but um, but it's a story told by a dog. So it's it's a fiction. It's it's the way how a non-human looks at human history and history, difficult history, complicated history of Ukraine um, during Soviet times. Uh, but th- that that's an idea that uh, a, a writer is finding a, another voice which is not even human, which is uh, because probably a dog can feel something that humans cannot feel and can tell something with his in his way that humans are not telling and and trying to to forget but uh but this idea of of justice i think it's very important that that's how she went from fiction to non-fiction to a very documentalistic non-fiction not only fixing the facts but also fixing them for justice for for future courts for tribunals yes and by the way there's a paradox here but her poetry is also a doc- documents because uh, a lot of women voices in her poetry and a lot of witnesses of all kind of human tragedies she witnessed uh, death destruction a loss of somebody or of your family and this is documentary so she was mixing document and poetry and this was extremely powerful she was writing about the war so somebody who started her literary career a couple of years ago only if i'm not mistaken her first novel was published in uh, 2015 or 16 so just a couple of years ago 2014 i think 14 maybe yeah so for yeah not a couple of years ago but not, but but it, it's not not uh, not it, not too early and uh, she switched to poetry and to these documents and she was um inspired if i can use this word here inspired by um by human stories told by by women, mostly by women. And there is a poem of herself, by the way, uh, talk to women, talk to women, because women will, te- will te- tell you all kinds of stories about occupation, all these atrocities, about their losses. And um, I find it very significant, important in a way. And, uh, and she was also documenting things, you know. This is not only for art, but also for justice. So it's kind of very strange way uh, to ally art and justice because this is about testimony but it's also about art a lot of writers say that they have problems uh, writing during the war because it it's a big shock you don't know what to write about everything seems to be too artificial when there is a war and the reality itself is much more powerful uh, tragic than any kind of invention any kind of fiction and victoria surprisingly found her place her literary place as well and her human place as a documentary of this truth house uh, uh, organization she was always busy she was always on the move and this this episode uh, with uh, Volodymyr Vakulinka, a Ukrainian writer who was killed by Russians uh, back in spring 2022, she was really involved in his uh, story because she was the exact person who went to Kapitolivka, his native village, and she found uh, his uh, diary, which Vakulinka wrote during occupation. And uh, yeah, so so she, she was not only she found it, but she transferred the manuscript to Kharkiv Literary Museum, and uh, just a couple of days before her death, 
she was presenting together with Vladimir family at Book Arsenal, this very diary, so this very book. So there's a link between. So she was writing about about um, a dead writer, killed the, uh, writer. And uh, so it's a document, you know, she was about docu documenting, but at the same time, it gave her the strength to write her own pieces. She was advocating a lot Ukraine abroad. She's extremely fluent in English. And uh, she was writing articles, opinion pieces, and she was participating in conferences. And she was always talking about Ukraine and about this human di dimension of what the war really is. And uh, this connection, this very mystical connection between Vakulenko and, and Vika is is really, really strange, but also significant. Because as I, I, I think that Victoria did not really know Vakulenko, I think she she saw her, she saw him. And if I'm not mistaken, even in Kramatorsk, uh, many, well, a couple of years ago, but uh, she was not really connected to him when when he was alive uh, but she was with truth hounds she she came to kapitolivka and actually went to his father and his father told her that uh, vladimir um, uh, was making a diary diary of occupation before he was taken kidnapped by russian and pro-russian soldiers and he was taken twice and uh, after the second time he did not return and then uh, we learned only in december right or november or december november late november late november 2022 that he actually was killed um, and his body was in this mass graves of his room so uh victoria went went just after the liberation of Kharkiv region. It was, I think, in September, uh, maybe late September 2022. She went to these places with truth hounds and she went to the uh, to the house of, uh, of Vakulinka's father and Vakulinka's fa father told her that there is this diary and uh, actually Volodymyr asked to um, dig it onto the in the earth, in the land. And they tried, uh, and they started digging the land, and uh, she finally found it. Yes. And the, the, the mystical, the tragic circumstance is that uh, she actually died on his birthday, on July 1st. So the, the, the strike was on, on June 27th, and as we were told by the doctors, Actually, it was a mortal strike from the very beginning because she had a huge injuries in her head, and uh, she was in coma uh, afterwards all these days without conscious, and as if she her body was living up until this moment of Vakulinko's birthday, and she died very late in the evening of the July. Yeah, and one more important detail about Vakulinka, you mentioned that she she wasn't a close friend of Vakulinka, at least what we know, probably they met once or twice before this full-scale invasion, she wasn't a close friend. But I was really impressed when I read a preface uh, of the book, she wrote a preface to his diary, and she was describing the moment when they were digging this land just in, with his father in order to find this diary, and finally... They found it, and 
she used a very bright metaphor. She was saying like, I was so much happy. So as if I, 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 I have found not only his diary, but all unwritten, um, uh, unwritten books of all um, um, tortured and killed Ukrainian uh, writers from Rostrilya Navidrodzhina, for example, uh, time. So from 20s and 30s, all this totalitarian regime who killed uh, dozens of uh, uh, dozens of Ukrainian writers and artists. So she was uh, um, attracted in a way by this tragedy of the disappearance of Ukrainian culture. And she was seen Vakulinka as an emblematic uh, case, not only for him personally, but for, for, the, for the, the last generations, for lost generations and for our generation. And unfortunately, uh, we talked today about Victoria and Milena, but we, we know that a lot of writers, uh, Ukrainian writers, are on the front line and some of them are participating in operations and everybody risks his life so this is also about so this war is not only about killing civilians and killing military Ukrainian military and devastating Ukrainian land this is also about this the destructing Ukrainian culture because if you kill writers and what they really do so you also kill the culture yes this is true and uh, Ukrainian writers are on the front line and uh, even if they are not on the front line, like Victoria Marina, they can be killed by Russian missile or they can be killed in occupation. This is the sad truth of this war. And it's not like we are saying about writers as if the, these are some special people. No. Writers document, writers testify, writers' words are probably heard more than the words of others. But... Um, but these are people, these are humans, these are Ukrainian citizens. And indeed, the, this, this, this continuation between the executed renaissance of the 1920s and what is happening now, because Vika, Vika also had this phrase that I have a feeling as if I'm living in a new executed renaissance, I think. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, this was the phrase, but yeah. Um, one can say that why, what would a woman, what a civilian woman uh, would be doing in the front line, why she was traveling a lot, you know, and having a kid, by the way, 12 years old, and why, so some people could, could react in a way, so she's, um, uh, when people are shocked, they are saying, so she, she should have stayed away from this, she's a writer, she had the right to be abroad with her kid, and why she was doing so. But Vika was exactly a person who was choosing to be when, where she was needed, you know. She was, uh, at each moment, uh, she was choosing to be in a kind of dangerous places, you know, in a places which where her voice, her literary voice was needed. And where her physical presence was needed. And by the way, I... I will never forget that the day after her, after her funeral in Lviv, we traveled with you to Lviv, and uh, we've been to the cemetery, and right the night after, there was a huge strike, the biggest from the full-scale invasion, biggest strike on Lviv, 
and uh, 10 people died. So she could have been killed anywhere in the country, you know, in Lviv or in Kramatorsk because other people died in Lviv that day. So, uh, so she was making this choice to be, to be alive, to move on, to write. She was preparing and she is preparing a book in English uh, looking at women, looking at war. If I'm not mistaken, this is the title. Uh, it will be published, and this is a very important book. So, as I said, Vika was really fluent in English, and she used once again her, her fluency in English in order to to speak in the name of Ukraine. You know, in what's going on. So she was choosing this risky life in a way, risky life. Uh, while having the right to stay away from this war, to write novels. And this is uh, about courage. This is about courage. This is about uh, her choice, existential choice. And uh, many people around, we were not very close friends. Um, we just met many, many times during this last year uh, on our travels, trips to many regions. But close friends say that in many conversations, Vika was mentioning the fact uh, that if something happens to me, you should do that or that. So I'd like so this one. So she was, for example, sending a manuscript to, to her friends as if she was um, ready in a way to, to such a situation when she's killed or wounded. So she was re taking that quite seriously. And it's really shocking. Let's listen to Victoria's voice. And uh, this is probably her last poetic performance. Uh, it was held on Saturday, uh, June 24th, on Book Arsenal, on uh, our poetic musical gatherings that we make at Penn Ukraine. And it appears so that I was accompanying her on on the keys, on, on piano, on electric piano and on, on seaboard. And actually we had twice this experience of playing together. Well, she was, she was reading her poetry and I was playing because before that, one month before that, in late May, we also had this gathering at Penn Ukraine and we also had this uh, performance together. And she was she was very self-ironic about her texts, and uh, now we can feel that how strong they are. Of course, we were feeling that at the at the at the very moment of the of the moment of performance, how they are enrooted in in experience, how they are enrooted in in the in the in the in the documents, in the in the in the very process of talking to people who suffered from extreme violence, who suffered from occupation, who suffered from torture, that's uh, that you feel, or, or who suffered from the loss that, that you can feel in her poems. But let's listen to this voice. Бачиш жінку з простягнутою назад рукою. Вона ніби тягне валізу або веде когось за собою. Невидима валіза важка, бо жінка іде повільно. Такі жінки загалом називаються божевільні. Їй нічого було брати з її згорілого дому. І хто там із нею жив, невідомо тепер нікому. Але вони йдуть за нею, 
і молодший все не встигає. І жінка тоді зупиняється. Вона завжди на нього чекає. Повітряна тривога по всій країні. Так, наче щоразу ведуть на розстріл. Усіх. А цілять лише в одного. Переважно в того, хто з краю. Сьогодні не ти. Відбій. У весняне синє поле вийде жінка в чорній сукні. Імена сестер кричати, наче птах в порожнє небо. Викричить усіх із себе. Ту, що відлетіла швидко. Ту, яка про смерть благала. Ту, що не спинила смерть. Ту, яка чекає досі. Ту, яка усе ще вірить. Ту, що сорок днів мовчить. Викричить їх всіх у землю. Наче біль засіє в полі. З болю та імен жіночих виростуть їй знові сестри. Знов співатимуть життя. Ну а що вона? Ворона. А вона навік в цим полі. Бо лише крик її тримає. Всіх цих ластівок в повітрі. Чуєш, як вона гукає? Всі по черзі імена. Цифри втрат нашої армії засекречені. До кінця війни цифр не буде. Буде сусід. Чоловік дивачки, яка саджала червоні квіти. Друг, який нікого не попередив. Викладач, якого ми так любили. Та дівчинка, яка усіх дратувала. Художник, який завжди усім подобався. Але, здається, любив ту дівчинку. В ім'я державної таємниці. Клянуся, я загиблих не рахуватиму. Не рахуватиму донестями. І до кінця війни. Насправді я починала, збилась. Свідчення. В цьому дивному місці свідчать лише жінки. Одна говорить мені про зниклу дитину. Дві говорять про закатованих у підвалі. Три кажуть, що не чули про зґвалтування, відводять очі. Чотири говорять про крики з комендатури. П'ятеро про застрелених на подвір'ях. Шестеро говорять, але нічого не розібрати. Семеро досі вголос перераховують запас їжі. Восьмеро кажуть, що я брешу і справедливості не існує. Дев'ятеро говорять поміж собою, йдучи на цвинтар. Я теж йду, бо вже знаю всіх в цьому місті. І всі його мертві – це мої мертві. І всі вцілілі – це мої сестри. Десятеро говорять про вцілілого чоловіка. Його також забирали. Він може бути за свідка. Я стукаю в його двері, але виходить сусідка. Говорить за нього. Лише здається, що він вцілілий. 
іди, говори з жінками. Дякую вам. This was the voice of Victoria Melina, her last poetic performance, at least according to our information. Saturday, 24th of June. Uh, and then she will go to, it was in Kiev, and then she will go to, to the east, I think on Monday, Monday uh, 26th, with a group of uh, our Colombian colleagues, uh, Sergio Jaramillo, uh, Hector Abad, and uh, Catalina Gomez. Um, and they were sitting in Kramatorsk at this Ria lounge bar when this happened. Let's also say that this place was uh, this place in Kramatorsk, about Ria lounge. We've been there a couple of times in in winter and in spring, and so we witnessed that this is uh, during many months. It, it was the only good restaurant in Kramatorsk. So uh, there were a lot of uh, civilians uh, and uh, this deliberate strike against a restaurant in the city center with a good cuisine, you know, uh, happening. Uh, by the way, the strike happened, if I'm not mistaken, some, some, something around seven in the evening, right? So it was a it was a dinner time, so uh, that's why they, we have a lot of victims uh, at that place. So and um, something shocking when you get to know the the place you know you you've been there many times and it is just hit by a missile, and uh, Russians they used Iskander missile, which is quite precise one, and later on Ukrainian. Um, Ukrainian army informed that they just arrested a man who filmed the interior. Maybe they were thinking, targeting, they were trying to target some some military inside. But according to official uh, Ukrainian information, there were almost no military victims at that moment. So what officials, Russians say. But unfortunately, Vika was one of uh, the... There were 13, right? 13 victims, and among them, three uh, children, uh, 14 years, years old twins, girls, and another teenager, 17 years old, another girl. So just kids who were having pizza. And uh, by the way, this place is very well known by international journalists because this is a place when you can... I don't know, work on your videos or on your tags. So this is a good place for you to stay. And um, I, I, I guess that many international journalists were shocked by by this event because they also knew the place. And Ukrainian journalists, by the way, there was an article of a Ukrainian journalist who've been in the city at that very day. And just he, she escaped the strike by pure chance because she was planning to go to eat out and she was hesitating between the real lounge and another small restaurant and in the last moment she decided to go to another one and she went out right 10 minutes before the strike so it could have happened if for example she'd been in the real lounge she would meet someone you know in the real lounge is a place when you always meet somebody you know because you there is always this community of international journalists, Ukrainian journalists, I don't know, civilians, military, volunteers. The volunteers also come there. So people you know, people who frequent, who, who go to the East, who just know Kramatorsk. And 
easily she could have been there because just a small talk, having a small talk, uh, she would be there 10 minutes later. So it's quite easy. And unfortunately for, for Vika, she was she wasn't supposed even to go to Kramatorsk, by the way, because according to initial plan, she had to stay, if I'm not mistaken, in Kiev for kind of training or whatever. It was a last minute decision. And by the way, she was preparing a, a, a trip to, to Europe, to, to Paris. She had to finish, finalize her book there on a scholarship. So everything was ready already. She was thinking about a school for her kid, already found a school, already found uh, an apartment. She was helped by Ukrainian friends in Paris. So she was planning, had a lot of plans, you know, and this is something extremely tragic about somebody, you know, she had plans and there was a kid, you know, and all this future they planned together and an outcome as well, a, a book, but this book will never be finished by Victoria herself. Yes, but we, we all hope that it will be published. And uh, the book about actually women who are documenting war crimes, looking at women, looking at war. And in this book, I think there will be lots of things that really document this time and document not only the war crimes, but also the the way how we live through the war. Yeah, we Ukrainians, we Ukrainian writers. Vika also loved kids very much, and how she was working with kids. That's that was amazing. Remember, we came to Kharkiv. It was I think June twenty twenty two, and Kharkiv was still a very dangerous place. And uh, Vika said, "I I want to." talk with kids i want to make something for children and she did make it um in the um in theater lelok in kharkiv the how you say it in the the puppets the puppet theater puppets theater yeah maybe and uh and that was amazing she was in in a circle surrounded by kids and she was reading uh from her book about eka excavator excavator eka and um and it was it was very 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 good. I even have a small video, small video from that. And Another uh, episode with kids happened uh, just happened in Slavyansk a couple of weeks ago, right? So we've been together a couple of weeks ago in 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 the east in Donetsk region, in Slavyansk, and uh, I remember she also been in Slavyansk. She organized the kind of her kind of activities with kids in Slavyansk, Slavyansk, which is quite severely shelled by by Russian troops even now. And it was kind of underground, so there was a meeting and kids were very happy. I remember we were filming her a little bit and they were moving and they were uh, smiling, I remember. And uh, let us also say that in Slavyansk, as in Kharkiv a year before, kids, they, they lack school, they lack communication because they don't have really schools, they don't have a, a kindergartens because uh, in such places in the front line you cannot organize a school because uh, these type of missiles Russian troops use against the cities uh, C-300 uh, this comes before there is an air alert because it's ballistic uh, missiles and you can never guarantee any kind of security in schools. That's why it was so precious for these, uh, I don't know, a dozen of kids which were present just to get together, to see each other, to see a kind of a writer, animator, and she was playing with them and she was very happy doing that. So, um, so in a way, so she, she was living her 
own kid behind her in in Poland, and she was going to see other kids and to share, I don't know, her light, her energy with all these kids, and uh, and she enjoyed it. Yes, she enjoyed it, and um, actually, you have to have a certain talent to talk to kids, to other kids, to kids of which are not your own, and you have to have a certain talent to write books for them. So it's not like you're. Uh, and by the way, this also connects her to Vakulenko because we know that Vakulenko was uh, a serious writer, writing serious texts, but also writing also serious texts for kids. And we have, we have his book at our home, Tatuseva Kniha, the dad's, dad's book. It's not, nothing more difficult than to write for kids. I think it's much more difficult to write for kids than to write for adults. Yes, yes, I think so, indeed. Let us, we collected a few testimonies from Victoria's friends and let us listen to, to, to them and first uh, how she was open to others. This is something that is stressed by many and I, I invite you to listen to what her close friend and pan-Ukraine executive director Tetyana Teren is telling us about Victoria Melina. Victoria was my great friend and uh, thinking about her today and uh, missing her a lot. I remember her as a person with a big heart and empathy for everyone around her. Victoria always tried to help others and gave uh, everything she had. For example, in 2022, she invited uh, Ukrainians who lost uh, their homes because of the war to live in her flat in Lviv, and uh, I was uh, among these people. She helped different volunteer organizations. Uh, she collected money for military needs, uh, such as, for example, drones or cars for uh, our soldiers. But uh, to be honest, she did not like to tell about this help and uh, tried to do it without uh, loud words. For so many of us, her friends, she was a person who um, was always ready to hold your hand and to be uh, near you uh, in the most difficult times. But also, for me, Victoria is one of the uh, bravest people, writers, cultural managers, human rights defenders I have uh, ever known. It was a brave decision to launch uh, a literary festival in Donetsk region, then to change her professional uh, role and uh, to start to document Russia's crimes against uh, Ukrainians and uh, against Ukrainian culture or to start to write in English and to try um, new stylistics uh, and new genres in her uh, first non-fiction book. I was always proud of her advocacy work abroad and of her uh, strong and uh, convincing voice uh, in other countries. And uh, I will always be uh, proud of her. This was Tetiana Teren uh, and her remembrance, her memories about about Vika. Another friend of Victoria Melina is a Ukrainian uh, poet, writer and journalist, Olena Hosseinova. And uh, in her testimony, you can you can you will hear lots of these little memories, little episodes. And I hope this will really make you uh, Victoria's image very 
very vivid and very recognizable. These days, a lot of memories of Vika come to mind. Here we are driving along the highway from Lviv to Kyiv. She is overtaking cars and the wheel feels alive in her hands. Here she is waiting for me in Champaneria on Lesa Ukrinka Street in Lviv and says, they are not staying here because they have only one oyster and oyster is not a man to share it with a friend. And here we are in her kitchen and she says, we should order guacamole. And I say, we can order avocados and make our own. And the delivery man brings us terribly green avocados. And later had, they had been in Vika's fridge for six months and remain underripe. But I am going to tell you a couple of other stories. First one, it was 2017. I was working as a cultural manager for a large bookstore chain and the bookstore was celebrating its 10th anniversary and I was managing the big celebration. Among the activities that I came up with was the so-called celebrity consultant. Well-known and popular figure from the world of books and culture became consultant for two hours in one of the bookstores of the chain and spent two hours recommending books to customers and answering questions. And one of Kyiv's celebrities told me late in the evening that he would not be able to be my celebrity consultant tomorrow. It was very important bookstore on Krishchatik, in the very center and heart of the city. Vika texted me at that very moment on Facebook. I complained to her and she replied, so let me come to you tomorrow morning by plane to Kyiv and be your celebrity. And she got on the plane and came. And she walked all two hours recommending books, sharing her personal advices about children's books and selling a lot of books. And another story that I want to be known and remembered is the story of the New York Literature Festival. A festival that Vika founded and managed to hold in October 2021 just three months before the full-scale war. Vika started talking about the idea of the festival right after the town officially returned its historical name. As soon as the city sign with the name New York appeared in the entrance to the town in the summer in this Donetsk region of Ukraine. I listened to her and said, this is a brilliant idea and they will give us money for it for sure. So in January 2022, the grand season will start and we will apply to and do it. But Vika said no. People are ready to hear about Ukrainian New York right now. And she organized the festival with her own money without waiting for the grand season in the winter of 2022. And she was right. For Ukrainians, that winter was not about grants for cultural project, especially for Ukrainians 
in Ukrainian New York. I do not want to draw conclusions about what these memories are about. About Vika's generosity, determination, love for Ukraine and New York, or talents. These are my priceless memories of her. This was Olena Hosseinova, a Ukrainian writer and journalist. We've learned a lot uh, from this death and from this long coma of Victoria. We've been there with you during two days, only on Saturday and Sunday, so one day before her death and late on Sunday she was uh, she passed away. And um, She passed away late on Saturday. S- Late, on, Late Saturday. on Saturday, sorry, yes. But we've been there on Sunday as well, yeah, sure. Um, we learned a lot in a way how the whole country lives now. Because when something happens like that, this is not like uh, a normal death that you just are ready for it and you, are, you have uh, things organized and you have a plan. When such things happen, and they, ha- they happen, unfortunately, daily, on a daily basis, it means that the whole family and the, the, a lot of friends are in the shock. So you have to find the body. You have to go to the hospital. And when you go to the hospital, by the way, uh, Victoria was in a military hospital in, in Dnipro, and uh, it's a lot of suffering. So what you see, you see a lot of ambulances arri- arriving every, I don't know, 10 minutes sometimes, sometimes 30 minutes, and you see wounded soldiers. And and then all these organizations of funerals and how to transport bodies, you know. Now it's kind of the huge, one of the hugest problems in Ukraine that you, you we have to transport bodies because people are, are killed, could be killed somewhere in the east and the south, and then they have to be transported somewhere. And, they, and this took us... The whole week, you know, I mean, this circle of Sofia Chilak, Tatiana Teran, uh, Olena Husseinova, uh, family, her husband and some other people who just went to see her. It took us a week just to organize things and to be and imagine the whole country who lives that experience on a daily basis. You know, how a lot of tragedies which happen every day and you, you are never ready for that. But you're most of all, you're never ready to see to bury your children, uh, to, to organize funerals for your children, uh, which happens daily for, 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 for hundreds of mothers who have to do that for their own sons who are killed on the front line or for other civilians. You know, um, I imagine the, the, the pain of the mother who lost her twin daughters the same day as Victoria during the same strike. They were 14 years old. And by the way, they, they even didn't live in Kramatorsk because their mother, she worked in a hospital and that's why she had to stay in Kramatorsk. But she sent her daughters to a kind of a village nearby and they were all the time there, but sometimes they were coming to Kramatorsk to see their mother. So they went to Kramatorsk and on their way back, they decided to have pizza and went back to safer village. And at that very moment, they were killed. So just imagine you're just losing your two of your kids in one day. So it's it's incredible. And this is back to reality check for, 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 for us as well, because this is about how, how the whole country lives. Uh, not all funerals are so visible as the one of Victoria Melina, and not every death is so visible of this young woman, writer, public speaker. But uh, 
these tragedies they're happening on unfortunately every day and every night as well yes this is the reality of war the war is not an abstract word the war has names and one of many many of those names were collected by Vika and now Victoria Melina is also one of the names of this war uh, we should remember her we should read her we should translate her let it be just uh, a constant reminder to us about her work, about her words, about her deeds, about her action. She was actually buried uh, with with very big glory, with very, very big honor, with lots of people, both in Kiev, uh, on the farewell ceremony, in uh, St. Michael Church and in Lviv, in St. Peter and Paul's Church, and, uh, and on the cemetery, and that shows how many people knew her and loved her. And we should also support uh, what she was doing. So now there is an initiative about her to con- how to continue this New York uh, Literary Festival, and this is extremely important for her friends and for her family to continue that. So if you can support uh, this festival by uh, donating, so please do, because a close friend uh, of um, Vika Ola Rusina, they are she's collecting money, and this festival will be taking place right after the war. So we are, they are preparing things. So we put all the, we will put all the information in the description of this podcast. So please donate if you have the possibility to do so. And before this festival can come back to New York, because New York is really on the front line right now, the festival will do lots of other things like it can be fellowships, scholarships for young writers and many, many other things. So indeed, the work, the work of Victoria Melina should live and her text should live and uh, live, I mean, should exist and should, should provoke thoughts and emotions and other texts and replies because, because of lots of things that she was doing for this country and for other people in memoriam. Victoria Marina. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine. Volodymyr Yermolenko and Tetyana Harkova were with you. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.